Save us from the time of trial, we pray. Lead us not into temptation. Whichever way we say it, the sixth petition speaks of the fact that life in this world cannot be lived without experiencing temptations. And what are, what are these things, these temptations? They are those moments which come our way and seek to make oh so enticingly, deliciously attractive something that's actually not good or good for us. Temptations seek to pull us away from our Father in heaven and to make unattractive the kind of life the Father wants his children to live. And where do these temptations, these enticements away from good and toward not good, away from God and toward not God, where do they come from? Luther says that temptations can actually come at us from three different directions. The devil, or the world, or our own flesh, our own sinful selves, we used to say. The devil. In the Bible's way of thinking, not every powerful power more powerful than you is on your side or on God's side either. In the Bible's way of thinking, there are powerful powers that are powerfully evil. Behind the power behind those powerfully powerful evils is variously referred to as the devil or Satan or the tempter. And some of those temptations that come our way, says Luther in the small catechism, are from him, whispering in our ears. I imagine that some of you do and some of you do not find that to be language that you can relate to. Certainly all of us, however, can relate to the second source of temptations that Luther cites, the world. I mean, whether it's TV, the internet, social media, other people, friends, or the news, who can't relate to a sense of being daily bombarded with not good and not God all around us? And if we have a little one... Who can't relate to all that is all around her? And then there's the third source of temptation that Luther cites, our flesh, our sinful selves, our old Adam, in the words of St. Paul in Romans. Surely I'm not the only one familiar with that guy. That part of me who doesn't even need encouragement from a devil or from the world, but rather all by my own self, thank you very much, hears God say, do this, but then thinks to myself, nah, I don't want to. Or hears God say, don't do that, but then thinks to myself, whoa, I really want to. Surely I'm not the only one who's been in situations where I totally understand the sentence, I have met the enemy, and it is me. When we pray, save us from the time of trial or lead us not into temptation, what we're praying is something like this. God, there are temptations coming at me from all over the place. Some are coming from around me. Some are coming from inside of me. Help me. Help me say no to temptations. Help me steer clear of temptations, situations that I know will be filled with temptations. 
And above all, keep my faith strong when I'm tempted, believing your promise that you are with me and believing your promise, your God of grace promise, that even when I do screw up and yield to temptations, you won't give up on me. You will pick me up and you will forgive me and you will dust me off and you'll say, let's try it again. And that last part is important, that part about remembering that even when we mess up, God won't turn away from us. That's way important to remember because when it comes to the tempter, says Luther in the Catechism, that's his ultimate temptation, his favorite one. He doesn't just want you to sin. He wants to convince you that God couldn't possibly love someone like you because you're such a sinner, that God won't have anything to do with you because of all the times that you've sinned and kept sinning. Because, says Luther, the tempter's two favorite things, his end game, is to tempt us away from the great gifts of faith and hope and instead toward the great and shameful sins, he calls them, of false belief and despair. In this petition, yes, of course, we're asking for help to say no when temptations come at us, no matter where they come from. And of course, we're asking God to help us stay away from those situations and places where we know there will be lots of temptations. But above all, way above all, says Luther, in this prayer, we're asking our Father in heaven to keep our faith strong in the face of temptation, remembering that he is with us and that even in those inevitable times when we turn from him, he won't turn from us for he is our Father in heaven, and he loves us. He loves us when we're good. He loves us when we're bad. He loves us when we're ugly. Very closely related, the seventh petition, deliver us from evil. Here's the deal, and you already know this. There is evil in the world. There's bad stuff. And some of the bad and the evil, just like some temptations, comes from inside of us. That's what we mean by sin. But once again, as was the case with temptations, some of the evil and the bad things that confront us come from outside of us, from, again, the devil and or the world. And I don't completely understand, and sometimes I have a hard time completely accepting what nevertheless is a biblical truth And that is that God never promises that if you believe in him, nothing bad or evil would ever happen to you or come your way in this life. But here's what God promises. No matter what comes your way, he will be with you then. And in one way or another, he will see you through. When I think of the the petition, deliver us from evil, I think of that old footprints in the sand story. Everybody's probably got it hanging on one wall or another in your house. That story which reminds us of the hard times and trials that will come our way, but we have a God who will see us through them, even if it means he has to carry us through them. Indeed, as this season of Lent nears a close, we remind ourselves that we have a God who will see us through and deliver us from all evil, even if it means he has to carry us by carrying a cross. And with that said, we end the prayer by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Those words are referred to as the Lord's Prayer doxology, a doxology being songs or words of praise to God. And why do we end the Lord's Prayer with a doxology? Let me answer by telling you this. Church choirs, often sing rousing hymns of praise, doxologies. 
many of which end rousingly strong. You may or may not have noticed, but sometimes a church choir director, when they have a hymn of praise that ends on a rousingly strong chord, they will have the choir not quite give it everything they've got right on count one of the chord, but rather they will have the chord and the choir hold back just a tiny bit when they hit the chord, and then they swell. Yes, they get louder all the way through to the end. It makes it even a stronger finish. It's called a crescendo there at the end. In the Lord's Prayer, the doxology is kind of like bringing your prayer to an end strongly by ending it with a crescendo. Because after boldly asking our Father in heaven everything Jesus told us boldly to ask, we don't just stop we get louder through the finish. We do so by reminding ourselves and by reminding one another that, hey, guess what? We are not just talking to somebody who who hears us, who listens to our prayers, who's our Father in heaven. We're talking to the one and only one who holds not just us but everything in his hands and holds forever in his hands, which means he's totally got what it takes to answer these prayers for his, his, the one who's listening to these prayers, his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And then we say amen. Or if we're from different traditions, we say amen. And what does amen or amen mean? I'm thinking of those brothers and sisters of ours who aren't quite so staid, reserved in their worship as Lutherans can sometimes be. And sometimes in those other traditions, someone right in the middle of the pastor's sermon will say amen. It's an affirmation of what the preacher just said. It means, you got that right. It means that's the truth. You keep it coming. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what amen means. Which means that if the doxology is a crescendo as we move toward the end of the prayer, amen is an exclamation point at the end of the prayer because there's no better way to end a prayer than with the confident explanation that God is great and God is good and God can and God will in great goodness answer our prayer. I'm going to start yelling. For his is the kingdom and the power 